Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Beyond the Valley. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Kapoor coming to you from Guangzhou, China. We've got a very special guest on today's episode of Beyond the Valley, Sylvia Amaro, who's based out of our London office. Uh, she's a correspondent who keeps a close eye on European politics. Great to have you on the podcast, Sylvia. Hi, Arjun. Thanks for having me. Well, now the reason I'm so excited to have Sylvia on the podcast today is because she's a keen watcher of European politics, as I mentioned. And one thing about European politics is that it's focused very heavily on technology in recent years. Listeners, you may have heard of the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. That was a big data protection and privacy bill introduced in the European Union. And over the past few years, there has been a big discussion about something called a digital tax. Essentially, how to tax digital companies, especially the big ones like Apple, Amazon, Google, and others who have had big hubs in Europe and large sales from the region. We're going to be hearing from special guests on this episode of Beyond the Valley, but this is a discussion that's been going on in a very fragmented way. One is at the OECD level, then at the European-wide level, and even on a country-by-country basis. It's complicated, to say the least, but hopefully we can dig into it over the course of this episode. It really is a global conversation. Now, Sylvia has been following this story very, very closely. Sylvia, what is the main purpose of the digital tax broadly? Well, Arjun, the main idea is to focus taxation where users of online services are located, rather than on where companies base their headquarters in Europe or book their earnings. Why? Because with this method, tech giants will be forced to pay higher taxes and be prevented from shifting their earnings to countries with lower tax rates. Now, we've seen a push in Europe on this point quite strongly over any other region in the world. Why has that been? Well, it's a combination of factors, one of them being public opinion. So in the wake of the Cambridge Analytical scandal, most European citizens started seeing tech giants as too powerful. And just to jump in um, here, if listeners don't remember, Cambridge Analytica was a company that harvested information from over 87 million Facebook users through an external app in 2015 without those users' implicit permission. Cambridge Analytica went on to work on some political campaigns, including Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. That's right. And so European citizens then saw how powerful these tech firms were. At the same time, Arjun, Europeans often feel that big corporations don't pay enough tax. According to 2018 figures from the European Commission, global tech companies pay a 9.5% average tax rate compared with 23.2% for traditional firms. So you can see why a lot of Europeans are of the opinion that something needs to be done here. On top of that, the European Union has fought many battles with multinationals over taxation. There was the case against Apple, if you remember, which was ordered to to repay 13 billion euros in previous unpaid taxes. Amazon, as well, was also ordered to pay 250 million euros in back taxes. 
and there were various other tax pros, including on Starbucks and Nike. So Europe has always been a very key player when it comes to taxing multinationals, more so than any other parts of the world. So then what's happened so far in the process? Because as I understand it, there is a somewhat of a stalemate in Europe over this. Look, Arjun, in Europe you have 27 countries and they don't all share the same view on this theme. So certain member states, such as Ireland, have a more benevolent opinion partially because they have different tax agreements with multinationals. So this is why, even though there was a big push in recent years for an EU-wide digital tax, they have not been able to pass the legislation. You need a unanimous vote at the EU table between all these 27 countries. And when they got together to actually vote and, appro and approve this, well, four countries blocked an EU-wide digital tax. So they all decided that the best way to go on about this was to take the discussions to an international level. And this is why the debate is now taking place at the OECD. The idea is that if everyone, and by that I mean 130 countries, agree on how to tax digital companies, well, then everyone can do it without massive retaliation from other nations, such as the United States. So the question at this stage, Arjun, is whether the OECD will actually reach an agreement. Let's not forget that they have a self-imposed deadline to do it by the end of this year. Well, that sets the scene nicely about where we are right now and to get into this topic of the digital tax. Uh, Sylvia, you had an interesting conversation with an expert on the topic. Fill us in. That's right. So I caught up with Jeremy Gez. He's an affiliate professor at the HEC Business School in Paris. And I wanted to get his take on the different positions of various countries on digital taxation and where we are right now, essentially. So take a listen into why he believes an OECD-level digital tax could be game-changing. In general, I think digital taxes are a good idea if it's done properly. This is the reason. Tech giants are likely to be far more agile and far more uh, adaptable to the coming transformations of the global market and even the business environment as a whole. They're probably the best place to avoid taxation, contrary to other traditional industries who are far less nimble, far less adaptable to change. So we know that there's going to be a wide range of uh, uh, issues coming, wide range of tsunamis, a wide range of deep changes. Uh, and we all know that our economies are going to need to transform, that a lot of businesses are going to need to transform. And the paradox is that the companies in the industries that will be the less able to surf on these coming waves because they are the less adaptable are likely to bear a disproportionate burden of taxes. So digital taxation is a way to fix this uh, because if you don't fix this, you're likely to end up with a two-speed economy, you're likely to empower tech giants further, and you're uh, likely to limit competition and innovation to a degree uh, that is even greater than what it is today. Isn't it also the case, though, that, um, I mean, the talk about uh, implementing a, a digital tax emerged very much in Europe, in particular in France. Um, but isn't there also an argument that uh, countries like France um, were more open to implement a digital tax because they don't have the champions, the tech giants, 
And so the only way for them to actually have some sort of say when it comes to digital technology is via regulation. I think that's absolutely right. And you know what the old saying says, in the wake of a problem, the Americans are always going to look to innovate, the Chinese are always going to look to copy, and the Europeans are always going to look to uh, tax and regulate. Um, this is the truth, and this is basically uh, still the truth today about the Europeans, about the Americans and the Chinese, I'm not so sure. But taxes aren't basically just a way to get back to uh, um, uh, these tech giants uh, that Europeans don't have. It's also a way, I guess, to rebalance the economy in a way that I think uh, some uh, parts of America might be very happy to emulate. When you look at other forms of regulation, you have California imitating the Europeans. So in this case right here, it's true that you see the whole American political class lined up for once alongside of Donald Trump and against uh, the Europeans and against Emmanuel Macron in particular. But I think going down the line, many people inside the United States uh, will understand this argument, I think, which is basically you need to do that rebalancing act to help traditional sectors better adapt and to not empower too much one industry over the others because that would stifle competition. Let's take a look at um, what's happening right now, though, because um not too long ago, there was uh, a lot of push at the EU level to have a EU-wide tax. But now those discussions are happening at the OECD level with the US and other countries. What sort of expectations do you have from these discussions at the OECD level about a digital tax? So first and foremost, let me say that I think the OECD is the proper place to have this discussion. It's not, uh, shouldn't be imposed by the French. It shouldn't be imposed by the Europeans. I think the OECD countries as a whole are likely to face this dilemma that we've been talking about. And I think this is the exact place where it should be uh, 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 taking place. This discussion should be taking place. Um, there are, two basic principles coming out of these conversations uh, that are actually groundbreaking in my opinion. The first principle is that now a country may be able to tax a company on part of, part, part of its profits, even if that company doesn't have a physical presence in that country. And that's really game-changing when it comes to tech giants. That's principle number one. Principle number two is the idea of a possible minimum tax rate. And this is how it would work. Imagine some tech giant would be able to secure uh, a tax rate of X percent. Then a country could demand, actually, on top of that X percent, the difference uh, defined by the difference between that minimum tax rate and the X percent that uh, the tech giant pays in a tax haven. And that, too, is game-changing compared to previous practices. The problem is that the devil really lies in the details. Uh, the question is, what amount of profits would countries be able to tax companies who are not physically present in their, fr in its, in, in their frontiers, number one? Number two, what would be the minimum tax rate? And depending on how you answer those questions, you might end up with very different results, ranging from something very negligible, meaning all of these efforts, all of these conversations leading to very little in terms of consequences, or quite the opposite, uh, a real game-changing uh, uh, approach to taxation that uh, might actually 
completely changed the mindset of uh, 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 many, many digital giants out there. Uh, that's the first limit. How do you count and how do you interpret those new principles? The second is that you also have countries always asking for exceptions. So China is basically saying, I should be getting a bigger share of the taxation because uh, these digital giants are making far more money inside China. The French are basically saying, well, this taxation scheme should actually only apply to tech giants and not to companies who use the internet as a tool. And the frontier between the two being very hard to define, probably in practice. And then there's a last question, which is, would that mean that a country, say Ireland or others for that matter, not be able to use the fiscal tool to attract uh, uh, newcomers without being penalized? And that too, there might actually be a problem of fairness right there, because a, com uh, a country may need and may be able to use the tax um, uh, uh, tool in order to develop. That might be another fair way to develop. So I think that these conversations are useful. I think that they're leading to groundbreaking results, but you have to be cautious about how effective they will be to the extent that um, they're likely, again, the devils are likely to lie in the details and we're not sure where things lie on that end yet. Lots more coming up on that topic and from the interview after this brief message. Subscribe to the Squawkbox Europe Express podcast. Join Steve, Karen and myself, Arabile, in unscripted and dynamic debate around the day's top stories with first and exclusive interviews of the best in business and global newsmakers, original points of view and instant analysis of the latest business news and key market themes. Get set for the day ahead. Squawkbox Europe Express podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. As we've mentioned, we have so many nations that would need to agree on the digital tax. It's something that has already been going on for a few years. And on top of that, the coronavirus outbreak could divert government attention away from this issue. And I think that's one of the problems, really. How do we come up to some agreement on this? We spoke to Paul Tank. He's a Dutch member of the European Parliament and in favour of the digital tax. He told us that should OECD talks fail, that Europe would have to plot its own course. But how, I asked, if you have a number of member states such as Ireland or the Netherlands, which are perceived as offering favourable tax regimes to technology companies. Let's listen to what he had to say. If you point to the situation that we see that some countries, including my own uh, country, the Netherlands, uh, is offering uh, favourable regimes, um, I think they will need to be forced to, uh, to give up these regimes. It's as simple as that. It's a, um, you have to have contribute to a common uh, global good, so to say, that, we, that is taxation uh, of the largest companies. Um, sometimes they need to be forced, but they also in these countries, in the Netherlands, but also in Ireland, in Luxembourg, there's a growing discontent uh, among the population with the fact that the largest companies in the world pay the, the least taxes. And this is, situation is not sustainable. And you see a growing awareness, at least in my country, that we need to change. And I also see these changes ongoing, maybe to a lesser degree, but also uh, uh, to a lesser degree, but I see that also in Luxembourg and Ireland. So these countries have to change. I don't think they have a specific regime for uh, for the digital 
companies for the tech giants. Um, it's a more fundamental problem. Um, and again, uh, the fundamental problem can only be addressed by a fundamental change. Uh, we now have a system where the companies can, on their own, decide where they pay taxes uh, and thus how many taxes they pay. And they choose the country with the most favorable regime. So we need to turn it around. It must be the countries, again, who decide where the companies pay taxes. That's a fundamental change that we need to achieve. But how do you think these countries actually uh, can be forced into changing that, given the fact they're the ones that are benefiting from bringing these companies into their economy and, you know, creating jobs uh, and around that? Oh, sorry, sorry. No, sorry, sorry. This has nothing to do with creating jobs or investment. The, the IMF calls it fake investment. And if you look at, if you define, uh, and it, when they define fake investment, they see that half of the fake investment in the world goes to Luxembourg and the Netherlands. These are investment on paper. These are constructions to avoid taxation. Uh, it has nothing to do with jobs uh, or investment. Um, so we have... Um, uh, fake entities, fake investment. Uh, so it will just, you will just hit, uh, affect uh, the, the tax avoidance industry. That's what you do. Uh, and if I, uh, when you talk to, to, the, to the corporates, um, they are, um, well, is in, in a sense, in favor of paying taxes. They just want their, their competitor also pay taxes. That's, so that's why you prefer a global solution or a European-wide solution. Um, but they understand that this situation where, uh, some, uh, where many companies um, can avoid paying taxes is, is not, uh, not sustainable. So he says that some European countries will be forced to do this. Still very difficult when unanimity is required for such a legislation. Sylvia, we've got to a point right now where individual countries such as France and the UK have been talking about bringing in their own rules at a country level. Where are we at with that? Well, there have been different efforts across many countries. Some of them actually implemented new tax rules. Others are yet a phase of, at a phase of drafting proposals. So looking at Austria, France, Italy and the United Kingdom, some of the biggest economies in Europe, they have all implemented a digital service tax. The important thing for tech companies, though, is that in these countries, they don't need to service these payments until 2021. This is so the OECD can try to reach a deal this year. So if the OECD is successful, then these countries have said that they will scrap their own national plans. On the other hand, if there's no agreement, then they will be able to charge these companies. A crucial aspect here, though, is that these taxes are quite different. So in Austria, for instance, they only tax revenues from online advertising. In France, the tax is much broader. It includes revenues from the targeted advertising, the transmission of data collected from users, and so on. So the discussion at the OECD level is also meant to fix this 
and say how ambitious a digital service tax should be. And some of the proposals have got the US worked up. The general feeling I get is the Trump administration feels like these taxes are specifically aimed at American firms. In 2019, Trump lashed out against French President Emmanuel Macron's foolishness, as he called it. That was the word he used in describing France's digital tax proposal. So in the case of France, they did agree to hold off on the first payments of the digital tax for now, but that was after the US threatened to slap tariffs on some French goods. We know the US has been fighting the US-China trade war, and there are some trade spats with Europe as well. Could this be the issue that unites Europe around tax? Well, Paul Tang thinks it might. Yeah, of course, we are already in a situation where the transatlantic relation is, um, is shaky. Um, we already see discussion on uh, on trade, the, the the threat of uh, of, of tariffs. Um, so, and I think taxation won't, let's say, won't make the situation more easy, uh, to put it mildly. Um, so that, there is a concern, but then again, there's also a growing awareness in Europe that we need to act on our own, uh, and Trump is forcing Europe to act uh, to act on its own. Right, so we can't, uh, and this is not just in the area of trade and taxation. This is much broader. So what it will do is uh, that uh, Trump will most likely unite Europe on this. That's how I uh, how I see it, uh, because this is part of a um, of a change where Europe needs to be a world player. Where of course, Europe is has always used soft power, tries to negotiate diplomatic ways to come to an agreement. Uh, but it hasn't really used uh, its economic power, and we are still an economic powerhouse. And what you will see in the years to come is that um, that Europe will try to use this economic power, just like the US always has done, um, to find its way in this world. So while this digital tax issue might have to take a back seat as governments deal with the coronavirus outbreak uh, that's happening, clear that it won't be going away anytime soon. I think it'll be back on the cards once this pandemic is over. Yep, and with a lot of questions to be answered, Arjun. Can the OECD find an agreement? Can Europe find an agreement? And potentially, how might the US retaliate? Spot on, Sylvia. Lots to think about. It's been a pleasure having you on Beyond the Valley. We should do this again sometime. Thank you, Arjun. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to get involved in the conversations, please get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Arjun Karpel. And I'm at Sylvia underscore Amaro. That's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley. Beyond the Valley.